This podcast is brought to you in association with Wednesday Picks, the free-to-play game where you can bag yourself a share of £1,000 just by answering a few questions based on our upcoming fixture. Just head to the iOS App Store or the Google Play Store to download the app and enter your predictions. You have to be over 18 to play. Please play responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Hi guys, this is Chris Lyons. I'm Gerald Sabon. Marcus Hudgate. Dave Lucas. I'm Glenn Lovens. I'm Daniel Pidil. And I love listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. My name's James and as ever I'm joined by my co-host Jay, mate. How are you doing, mate? You alright? Yeah, not bad, Booker. Thank you. Good, good. Now I've got another form now for you to listen to today about their time at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, he's born in Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday fan. Uh, he's also had stints at Leeds and Norwich, obviously, as well as Sheffield Wednesday. I'm delighted to say that we've got John Newsom with us. How are you, John? You all right? I'm good, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for um, thanks for inviting me on. It's nice to be here. No problem. Thank you very much. Now, obviously, we always like to start at the, at the beginning. And uh, in your case, obviously, that does start. With uh, with Sheffield Wednesday, obviously born, like I said, born in Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday fan, growing up. Um, as a as a kid, did you did you always like know that you were going to play for Sheffield Wednesday? Well, John, uh, that... let, let me put in again before we start. Start, John, start with what you just told us before we started about the scrapbook with your mum. Before you even tell us about school. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, obviously we, as I just came, we are in a chat before before the podcast came live, and and they asked me about this picture on the wall behind me, which is in my like little study area. Uh, and I just said that I've got, I have got tons, I've got tons and tons of photos and, and stuff. And, and I've got a box, which my mom gave me when I retired, my mom and dad said, hey, there's your scrapbook, which it's not scrapbook. It's like a big box full of, just full of memory, memorabilia programs, cuttings, but they go right back to being about, I think, I think the earliest ones about six year old. Uh, little bits about the Greenan and the Star and then coming through Sheffield boys and Middlewood Juniors and, you know, I've got like Middlewood Juniors Cup Final under 14. <laughs> it's like, I sometimes sit there and really like pick, pick through them and go, God, blind, you know, like just to remind myself. But It must be good yeah. though, to look back. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Like, yeah, it's really, I'm like, obviously I love it that, they, that you know, they, they obviously took a vested interest and they kept all them things at the time, but, but yeah, it's nice to look back. It really is good to look back on it. Yes. Yeah, so, so back, like I said back then when you were a kid, did you always think, you know, I am going to, I am going to play for Sheffield Wednesday? We're always, obviously, I'm guessing it would probably be one of your goals. But was it something that you kind of knew you were going to do? And I didn't know I was going to do it. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. It was my dream. It was my absolute dream. I did. I, I had nothing else in my life. Um, I was just totally football, football, football. I've got a brother who's a couple of years older than me. And he was into football, but not not the way that I was. Um, and, and yeah, just just started on that journey. Started on that journey at sort of like, sort of probably eight, eight, nine years of age. Started playing in teams at sort of like 10. I was big, I was always a tall, big lad anyway. So I played a couple of years above, played for, I think, first, First club was Balling Gunners, and I played for like the under 12s when I was 10, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And then I had a bit of a fallout with a manager at one point, and then went 
went down to Middlewood Juniors, uh, uh, um, down at the training ground at Middlewood Road, um, and started in there, and then managed to get into the Sheffield Boys uh, the, the second year of trying. The first year I didn't get in. Um, so, yeah, a few knockbacks along the way, and, you know, you have to pick yourself up and, and dust yourself down, and, and it's tough. It's really tough, you know. I mean, you know, I'm, I thank my, my lucky stars that, you know, I became a professional and, and sort of like made a career out of it and, and played some some big games and, and played at some great clubs. Um, but, but you know, it's, it, it, yeah, it's tough. There's a lot, a lot of people fall by the wayside and it's a, it's a cutthroat business. And, and so, yeah, I pinch myself. I look back now with fond memories and, and I'm lucky that, you know, I'm really lucky that I managed to achieve what I did, really. So back then, obviously, like we've heard from many other former players, there weren't academies as we, as we know them now, were they? It were it were, it would be YTS. Is that what they used to call it? Yeah, I mean, before that, before that, there was actually, um, and this was the foresight of Sheffield Wednesday, really. And there was a guy down there called Clive Baker who sadly passed away a few years ago. But Clive was a uh, was instrumental in setting up what they classed at the time was a centre of excellence. So I, I got invited down to Sheffield Wednesday when I was twelve years old. And uh, they, they were having this centre of excellence, and it was in the old, the old gymnasium, which which is where the shop is now, where the superstore is. So that was a big gymnasium there, which I think fortunately when it was the old disaster became a mortuary, if you if you remember it. So it's like I think, I think that's when they went right. You know, we need to sort of like change this sort of thing. So I went down there, and I'm I was like you know six foot three, six foot four, and it was an in, indoor training session. You were doing skills and ball manipulation and this kind of thing. And and after the first session, Clive, who was who was brilliant, you know, I've got so much to thank that guy for for my career. And and after I finished football as well, um, and he just like looked at me and said, like, how old are you? So I said, I'm I'm twelve. And he said, hey, you, you, you don't need to be training down here. And he sent, he sent like two or three of us, big, tall, big lads, up to the training ground the following week. And we had to train with the under-15s on middle. At 12-year-old. Yeah. And, and that was like, oh, my God, you know what I mean? And, like, you look, and you look like 36. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were doing like proper fitness work and, you know, you have to carry each other along on piggybacks and... It was yeah, and that was that was my introduction to Sheffield Wednesday, really, and um, just never looked back. And came through the ranks there um, with people like uh, Albert Phelan, who again sadly has passed away, but he was instrumental in in the under 15s, under 16s, and it was a feeder club. And then and then you used to have to write a letter to the football club to the manager, who was Howard Wilkinson. And it is another thing. My mum's my mum's got a copy of the letter. <laughs> and she's got a, yeah, yeah, it's Ali, you know what I mean? And and I've got a copy of the reply. So you wrote this letter to say <laughs> Yeah, where are you gonna get where you're gonna get offered a, a YTS um by the club? And this was before you did your um your exams at school. So like your O levels as we call you're too young for all this, but GCS <laughs> yeah. and that kind of stuff. And not many of us were doing many, in all honesty, because we were football mad, but um so I used to run home from school every lunchtime to check the mail to see if this letter had arrived. It took forever. It was about a month until it arrived. And uh, there was a lad, Steve Kiddy, who was a grounds... Got a YTS, but ended up becoming a groundsman at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, right. And and he lived really close. And he I think he came to... He, his post arrived before he left for school. So 
one morning he said, oh, my letter's arrived and I've got a YTS, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm like desperately running home at lunchtime to get my letter and thankfully I got offered offered a YTS and and then that was it, that was the start of it really. So, I was just going to say, James, a bit, a bit ago, John, I want to show your opinion on this because uh, I'm a bit like, not just in football, in everything, I'm a bit old fashioned when it comes to things like this, for example, like even my, even though I'm a bit a bit younger than yourself, like when I when I was younger, it were there were no like Snapchat, there were no Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all this sort of stuff. And I know this doesn't sound like it's going to sound about football, but I, I really do think it is because every day we, you, when you played football, like back then, everybody who played for Wednesday, you're a Wednesday fan, this, that, blah, 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 and all this. But you had a lot more players that were more passionate about it because we plan. Me and my little brother would plan a back garden. We'd play up against the garages. We'd get told off, and then we'd move somewhere else down the street. Then you lose your ball down the banking, and, that, and that's why. And you have to knock on someone's door, sort of thing, to go to this. But now all these kids, like like my little brother, he's seventeen. He were playing for Barnsley. We're doing really well, however. But he's not going out playing football every night because he needs to be on this game on FIFA with his mates or this on Inter. And, do you know what I mean? Like back then, it just seemed like everyone were a lot more passionate and. Everyone, you, when you knocked on them doors and you had to be in at this time, you had one text to send on your phone to ring your mum, or it would just, it would, that's when I, it, to we me, it seemed like it would look. Sorry? We didn't even have phones. You know what I mean? There were no well, phones. Well, there you go. Well, yeah, that's my point. Do you not, do you not agree, though? Like, that, yeah, that's I, get, I get what you're saying. I fully get what you're saying, but there, there wasn't a choice either, was there? You know, the choice, hmm. I mean, I've got, I've got, they're not kids anymore. You know, my, my, my son and my daughter, they're 26 and 24, and, and you know, their life coming through. They've had, as you say, computer games. They've got an abundance of sports at school: cricket, golf, football, rugby. Yeah, even facilities and that. Yeah, got everything. Got everything. They can have a go at everything. And whereas, you know, when I was a kid, it was like you you went out. Yeah, you know, I, I went out to see my mates with a football under my arm, and, and I had to, I had to be back in when the streetlights came on. That was your, that was your thing. No, no mobile phones. You better come home and that kind of, you know. And it, it, so I think sometimes it would, it was probably a bit more of, of a simple life that you didn't have all those options and choices and 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 that's. But, but for me, it was just football. It was always football. And it's when, it's when people talk about that though, like people talk, oh Terry Butcher and these old players, like old-fashioned centre backs and blah blah. And, People will laugh at you when you say something like this, but honestly, like I, we were diving down on gravel. We didn't matter about cutting knees and ball, but you know, like now, nah, the mothered from like 10 year old and you've got to go to this, you've got to get picked up and do that. But you literally just yeah. used to get a, a bottle of Coke off street that were empty and put it as a goalpost. You know what I mean? And you used to just go anywhere you could and play football sort of thing. And now nah, it's just, there's none of that. And I think that's why these days it's a lot more like dilly dallying about and you've got all these injuries in ball because people aren't tough enough, basically. That's what I think personally. Yeah, now when when you're at Wednesday, obviously as a as a youngster, um, obviously we had stories of like you know having to pick up old balls and you know cleaning boots and and stuff like. That. Is is that is that what it was like? As a, as a oh writer? mate, listen, you you I mean, you are you basically it's like slave labour. It was like slave labour. <laughs> Seriously, it was like slave labour. But Sheffield Wednesday were quite a good club because they didn't make us sweep the stands and paint the paint the stands and paint the dressing room. We didn't have some, some apprentices, that's what they had to do. You know, they had to sweep the stands after a match because they'd had no one else to clean clean the stands. But we used to have to look after all the pro players, look after the whole, like the, the dressing room area of the stadium, um, the boots. And and yeah, and, and, it, and, and there was like a, a hierarchy. So there were second year apprentices and first year apprentices. The second years had... I had one guy who was in charge who was what's called the head boy. 
So he was the he was the link between the youth team manager and the apprentices. So you were all given jobs. So my in my first year, I think my jobs I had I had about four or five professional players' boots. So I think I remember I had Lee Chapman, Gary Megson, and then two or three other like, like other reserve team pros. And they had you know, and you go in the boot room and they got four or five pairs of boots and. So you had to make sure that all their boots were constantly clean, dry. Did you slip me any money? <laughs> Just, that was Christmas time. So Christmas time, you were like making sure that you could see the face in them. You know what I mean? But yeah, <laughs> and, and some of them had bung you a few quid for for your Christmas box. But then they'd do things like you'd have to come in and sing in front of the first teamers to get your to, to get your Christmas money. Or you know what I mean? They, they were they were all, all all shenanigans that went on. Um, but the days of being an apprentice, they were, they were probably some of the most enjoyable days of my football career because you had this togetherness. You were, yeah, you know, we had like I think we had about eight or ten in, in, who got apprenticeships in my year, and then there were the second year. So, so they were a bit a year older. They they called the shots a little bit. If you did something wrong, you had uh, you had like a kangaroo court, so you had court cases. So you had to face the court and, and you'd be disciplined. And the discipline was basically getting whacked as hard as you could on the hand with a trainer. And, how, and how, however bad we deemed the, the, uh, the, what, what you'd done. So if, if like you'd said, oh, the, all the boots are clean and the head boy had said, are all the jobs done? Because you had to check all the jobs were done before you went home. And then the head boy had to go to the, the manager and say, right, all the jobs are done. And he'd say, right, okay. Uh, if get it was bad, did they have studs on it? Did they have studs on boot <laughs> if it was bad? Well, what? No, no. It was, it was a trainer. It was a trainer, like. But um, that's rubbish what, studs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, let me tell you, it was, it was, it was hard enough. It was, it was proper pain. Um, and so what he'd do is most of the times he'd say, right, all jobs are done. Yeah, the baths are all cleaned. And you, you had to scrub all the baths, all the showers, all the dressing rooms were hoovered, cleaned. All the kit was was hung up we had a laundry lady so they did the washing but you had to make sure it was all hung up in the drying room the corridors were, were hoovered so you just you were just general general dog's body really but if you then said the boots were clean and a pair weren't whoever whoever those was in charge of those boots they were in, in front of the court you know so then we'd <laughs> yeah. be like and there was that, that, I remember one lad he forgot when we had an away game you had you have big skips where you put the boots in, a boot skip, and you've got a kit skip. And then you'd have... And, you, and we didn't have kit men. So now you've got a kit man who, who sorts all the kits out. So when Sheffield Wednesday playing Watford tomorrow, it was the apprentice's job to make sure that all the all the first-team kit was in the skip with the towels and all the slips and all the boots were in, all the shin pads were in the pad, all the gaffers and the staff stuff were in. And you were in charge of it all. And being the head boy, you were in charge of the lads. So any, 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 you know. Yeah, you won't, you won't, you won't get that now, would you? Well, yeah, they don't do. John, can I ask you a few questions about a few questions about that, mate? Because it's really interesting yeah. what you just said there, and I think you'll agree with me that I think that's then is is 
it's, yeah, it sounded tough and whatever, but now it, it's it made you have a lot of respect. It made you grow up. It made you uh, when you go home have a bit more respect. And not only that, you imagine now a player comes on loan to Wednesday, they're just coming into a club, whatever. When you're there and you're doing all this, it's like an achievement when you finally get to first team to play anyway. Never mind just coming on loan, going straight into the team and going. But do you know what I mean? So back then it was literally like it was a massive achievement to even get to playing. And you sat there and touching on it, Megson. We spoke to Pressman about him and we spoke to, we spoke to a few people about him, but we're speaking to Samedo over there and, and he was saying, when Samedo over there, he was saying when Megson signed him, he literally took him on to stand back at COP, the last seat in corner at COP and sat down with him and had an hour chat saying, right, this is where we are. We want all this pipe for it. Just, it's a Wednesday fan, as you know, whatever, like yourself. And yeah, yeah. that is what you want. It makes me hair stand up. Like, that's what you want as a manager, the passion, blah, blah. And Samedo then straight away, he was in that mindset sort of thing. You was there doing the kits and cleaning up and blah, blah, blah. Then you imagine you've gone from all that sort of an apprentice to then going into the first team and playing. It's You just, you you appreciate it a lot more. Do you know what I mean? And that's what we don't have anymore, do we? Yeah, I think you do. I mean, you weren't allowed in the first team dressing room, you know? As an apprentice, you were only allowed in the first, you were only allowed to go in the first team dressing room when you were asked to come in, you know? So you couldn't just walk, I couldn't just walk into the dressing room because they'd be like, what the effing hell are you doing in here? Right. And then you just say, I'm six foot seven, pace off. <laughs> Honestly, don't matter. You, you'd be like, you, you'd get punished for it, you know? Uh, so it did. It, 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 I mean, and that's why I say I, I loved my time as, a, as an apprentice, as a YTS, because it, it was a great camaraderie and you did you did everything. So when the first team had a game at night, so we, we'd report, we had to be report for nine o'clock in the morning, which is not late, but you got to get there, do all the jobs, get the stuff on the bus, get it up to the training ground, get it set up in the training ground, because some players had come to the ground and get changed, and back then some players had got to the training ground. So you, so there was all that messing around, and then you had to clean it all up afterwards, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then if there was a game that night, you then hung around, because we then looked after the, the team's... When, when there was a match. So we had to look after the referee's room, make sure all the balls were pumped up right, look after the away team, look after the home team. When the game had finished, then we'd ball boy. So we used to ball boy for the games as well. And then when the game had finished, we'd then have to clean clean all the dressing rooms in, and off you go. Yeah. And then you'd be back in at nine o'clock the next morning. And But it gives you discipline, you know, it gives you... It, it, it just taught you all sorts. Taught you absolutely all sorts. And... I feel that scholars are worse off for not being able to do it. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think some clubs and some coaches took liberties, um, you know, and they, and they use that power for their own. You know, we've seen, I've seen the documentary what's come out recently, you know, football's darkest secrets and all that. And, you know, absolutely yeah. disgusting and, and tragic what happened. But, but I do feel that there is a place that, that we can, we wrap them up in cotton wool too much these days, you know what I mean? Yeah. We obviously fast forward a, a little bit, obviously everything that you've just said said then. For you to uh, for you to make you know, you make your debut in the first team for Sheffield Wednesday, that, that must be the you know, a proud, proud moment for yourself. Dream come true. Absolute dream come true, you know. Um just turned pro, got my first year professional contract under Ron Atkinson. Um What was he like, John? Sorry to interrupt. I didn't get on with him that well, if, in all honesty. Um, he looked after the the experienced um, first-team players, you know, the, a lot of them will talk 
highly of him, you know, they, they liked him. Um, as a younger player coming through, we, yeah, he, he was hard work with us, really. He was hard work with us. Um, playing in the reserves, you know, you've been training the next morning after you've played a game the night before. You might get home at two o'clock in the morning and, and he'd, he'd bring anybody who was under 21 years of age, you were back in training them the following morning, which is not an issue, but when there's only like five of you and you turn up for training and the coach is stood there scratching his head saying, <laughs> what will you do with five of you when you've had like four hours kippy and you played last night? And you know what I mean? It would just, it would things yeah, yeah. like that, that he'd just do it out of spite more than anything else rather than trying to help you develop your game. But but listen, hey, he, he gave me my debut, you know what I mean? He, he introduced me to, 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 to first-team professional football and, um, yeah, amazing. I mean, the proudest moment for me, being a Wednesday fan all my life. Where did you sit, John? Uh, Where did you sit when you went? Where did you used to sit? Well, when I, when I was a kid, I used to go on the cop with my dad. So my dad used to take me and my brother and we used to stand on the cop because um, you could stand them before... Before it became we never we never think of them. We never rate hard and stood stood in North Stand then. No, 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 <laughs> never you never really went into North Stand, you know. Hey, crazy enough, my mom, my, my dad stopped going, so me and my brother got a season ticket. And the only place you could get a season ticket as a as a like under 18 at the time. Grandstand. Was no, was it there was no grandstand. Grandstand weren't there. Oh right. There were no grandstand. It was the top tier of the Leppings Lane. Where away right. fans went. So, so me and my brother, like I'm 12, he's 14. You play with Millwall, and you had to go and sit in middle of Millwall fans. <laughs> and you took out like a sore thumb, didn't you? And all that. I'm sat, I'm sat there looking at it going, this is mental. You know what I mean? But you didn't, you didn't say anything. I mean, Wednesday scoring, we just sat there looking at each other. Me and my brother, we don't even really get filled in. So, so we did that, and then, and then when you got invited down as a player, as like as a youth player, you signed schoolboy forms. The club used to give you a ticket, so so we used to sit in the sit in the south stand then. So, so that was all right, you know what I mean. We used to go just and, and then you meet all your mates who you played football with, and would meet outside the ground and go in. And so, well, what were, John? Who were your player growing up? Who did you love growing up? As a Wednesday, what Wednesday players? As a fan, when you were a fan, yeah. yeah so when uh, you were 15, 16. My recollection was I was in Terry Curran's fan club. Oh yeah. So I know I met Terry. I met Terry a few times now, and I said to him, I used to be in your fan club, and he, was, and he like, laughs at me. But, but yeah, he used to be in his fan club, Terry TC's fan club. So you got a photo of TC, put it on your wall. and So Terry Curran, uh, then it was Gary Bannister. Oh, Bannister. Gary Bannister. He was brilliant. He was, he was sick. You know, you found it tough to break into the Wednesday side, didn't you, at the, at, at the time? Um, obviously, they were like... They were like to, I was 19 year old, you know what I mean? I was like, you're old, and we got... I mean, he put me in at right back, but we got, you know, you got the likes of Nigel uh, Pearson, Nigel Pearson, Peter, Peter Shirtliff. Uh, following season, Viv Anderson came. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I played six, six or seven games. Um, Big Ron pulled me in, said, "You've done great. I want to give you a new contract." So I'm thinking, "Wow, this is brilliant." Uh, I'll give you an. I'd only signed a year's contract. That's all you get. And he said, "I want to give you an extra year." And I'll give you another fifty quid a week. That's what right. that. And I signed it. I was like delighted with that. Um, and then that was it. I never got 
I never got near the squad ever again for the rest of the season oh, and the re- and the following season as well. So you know, we were playing. I was playing in the reserves that that second season. Reserve. We actually won the reserve league, so we beat Liverpool, Man U, Man City's Villa. So we, you know, we were doing well. We were playing well, but never got a sniff. Never even travelled with the first team. My contract was coming to an end, uh, and the final game of the season, he put me in the squad. We played Oldham away on the plastic pitch. Um, I thought it was just a bit unusual. He put me in the squad. Whether he was trying to like entice me, dangle a carrot a little bit, a bit of a sweetener. Um, named the team and I was playing, which again was like, I don't, I don't get this. You know what I mean? Not, not spoken to me or anything. Played yeah. the game, thought I did all right. We got beat three two, um, and then that following week, my contract was up and I went into. We all had to go down to see Big Ron in the, at the ground in his office one by one, and he offered me a new contract, um, and I turned it down. In all honesty, I just said, um, you know, obviously I love the football club, but for my career, I just want to play football on a Saturday afternoon. Had you had any, anything else lined up at that point, or were you just literally not you? You just like I'm not signing your contract. I was, li- I was still living. At, I was 20 years of age. I was living at home with my mom and dad. I'd not even told my mum and dad that I was going to turn my contract down. So that night I had to go home and sell them. Basically, I'm, I'm like unemployed. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people we spoke to us, a lot of people we spoke to us, well, John, have said things like, you like, you know, your mum and dad, they've kept these scrapbooks and this and that and whatever. And even people like Chris Lyons, like when he started playing for Wednesday, he had his family moved down, this and that. And, well, he didn't have his family, sorry, that moved down, but other people did and whatever. I think when you've got parents like you have, for example, my dad's a Wednesday fan, and when I went Wednesday, he'd be a massive influence, things like this. Agents don't seem to have been as bad, but you had your mum and dad like this and whatever, who, if you, the Wednesday, they're obviously from Sheffield, they want you to play here, they're happy about this and that, whatever. With other people, like now, it's all agents, this agents, that, and all these players that are moving to this club and that. Jerry, don't say that. He's an agent himself now, so he's doing yeah, but yeah, so you know what I'm on about then. You know what I'm on about. Like, for example, if you're if, if you're an agent now, then which I didn't even know, so that you've got a player now, you wouldn't recommend them play for Wednesday minute. Well, crap, that's going off. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't. Well, I like to think you wouldn't necessarily give him give your one of your players set to a club that's offering a tiny bit more money for you wise. If you can get him in a club where he's got more stability and more sort of chance to grow, sort of thing. Whereas like your parents back then, they they supported you and everything. A lot of people these days. They, they live in different countries. Don't even speak to their parents. They just say, I'm moving to Manchester and then it happens. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Back in my day, back in like nine, you know, this is, what's this? What would this be? 1990, 1990, 1991. There was no such thing as agents. Agents weren't even there. So I had to go in, you know, I had to go in and sit with Big Ron, who's your manager, who's this big character, you know, we yeah. just just won the Rumbleos Cup and... And and I'm like some twenty year old kid wet behind the ears, and and they just they just try and bully you, don't they? You know, they just try and intimidate you and get you to sign, and 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 he and and, and he didn't like that. He didn't like the fact that I said no, I'm not going to sign that contract. I'm I'm going to take my chances, and he turned a bit sour and started effing in jail. So do you think that's why he didn't then? So you, sorry, sorry for interrupting, but you said. Uh... At the beginning, I love that. This is why now ex-players can be honest. I'll speak to you about something in a bit about what Kevin Pressman said, which he told us. But basically, at the time, you can't say, I don't like Ron Atkinson or I don't get on in room of him. But you know, now it's gone 20 years later, whether you can sort of thing. But do you think that's why at the time, if you had a different manager, say, like a Gary Megson sort of thing, do you think then you would have signed a new contract and stuff like that? Do you think it would, because 
of the manager that you were put. Megson took me to, to Norwich City. He was number two at, uh, under John Dean, who signed me at Norwich City. And then when Meggie then took over as manager at Norwich. So I think Matt, Gary Megson's a great guy. Absolutely fantastic. And, John, and everyone's, everyone's been so highly of him. Everyone literally loves him. And it just seems like yeah. he was just a legend. But Gary Megson, I don't think, would have probably trepped me. I wouldn't have been on the receiving end of what I was on receiving end. And, and, and the, uh, what it was is I, I was 20, going on to be 21 years of age. And I'd had a taste of playing first-team football like two seasons ago. And I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a footballer. And it wasn't about money because money was... was you, you didn't get paid any money. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like as so you that's said... That's the first thing now, though, John. That's the first thing now. Yeah, well, I think it is for some players, but it's not for them all. It's not for them all, you know? Uh, and I think they get... I think some of them get labelled. Don't get me wrong. It does, it has changed the game, of course it has, but for me, why, why do you want to be a footballer? Because you love to play football and you want to play at the highest level you can. And if I got paid to do that, that was a bonus for me. And all I wanted to do when I was 20, 21, is go and play football. And he said, you know, where are you going to go? Like Barnsley or Rotherham or... And I said, I, I don't know. But if I have to play in the conference, if that's my level, I'll play in the conference. You know what I mean? But I just want to play on a Saturday because that's when you played. You played Saturday or you played in reserves on a Tuesday night. And 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 luckily for me, I I you know I turned my contract down. I I, I went away. I had a couple of days at home thinking about what I'd done. Apparently, there was a tiny little piece in the star what had said that I'd turned my contract down. And a guy called Mick Ennigan, who used to be my Youth team coach at Sheffield Wednesday. He, he, he basically works under Howard Wilkinson. So when Howard went to Leeds, Mick Ennigan went to Leeds with him. And Mick used to come and watch all our reserve team games because he knew all us, all us, the players at my age and like the year above and year below. He knew us all because he'd had us all working for him. Uh, and he rang me up and said, right, the gaffer wants to see you up at Ellen Road tomorrow. And that was it. And it came literally came out of the blue. You know that side that you went into at Leeds. I mean, obviously, we don't want to talk about Leeds too much, but uh, <laughs> it was it were a good side, weren't it? There, there were some there were some quality players in. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, to give you, to give you an example of the differences in, in managers. So, Big Ron, you're down there, you're in his office. He's he, you know, he's telling you, right, I'll give you this much money, and I'm like, it's not about money. I want to play. You know, and 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 he's having a round, he's shouting at you and bullying you really. And it was only the fight. I mean, I look back now and think, God, I must have had kahunas that big. You know what I mean? At twenty years old, yeah, I can't believe I did it. But I then drove up to I then drove up to Ellen Road the following morning, and I walked into Ellen Road, and Mick Ennigan was there, and he said, first thing he said to me was, "Where's your dad?" And I said, "My dad's at work," and he said, "Right, well." Howard, the gaffer, won't speak to you without your mum or your dad being here. Right, so, right. so I had to ring my dad and say, Dad, right, you need to come up to Ellen Road. So he's like, like what? So he had to like go home and get, get changed and drive up to Ellen Road. And he walked in and then he took us out for dinner. They went, oh, you've not had any lunch, Mr Newsom. Take him out for dinner. So they took us out for dinner. And my dad sat there with big fillet steak on and... <laughs> it's brilliant, it is. And we went back, and then Howard said, 
like Mr. Newsom, I won't, I won't, you know, I, I don't want to speak to your son without you being here. And that to that's me, good. I just thought, that's just like respect that, isn't it? That's just, yeah, yeah. that's just doing that's the massive. job right. You know, and he, and then he said, look, I want to give you a three-year contract. I want you to be my first team this season, blah, blah. And he, and he told me all the things that I wanted to hear, really. And and it, for me, it was just a no-brainer. And that's, that's how I ended up at Leeds, you know. And then the crazy thing was, I was then, I was then sworn to secrecy because they said to me, how many other of the young lads have not signed? And I said, well, there's a few. There was like Graham I, David Weatherall, Marlon Beresford, the keeper. And he turned to Mick Ennigan and he said, right, go and get the lot of them. Because he wanted, right. we, we, we got, we got a good, we got a good young batch of players there. Uh, and the only other one he got was David Weatherall. And it didn't, it didn't actually come out in the press for about two weeks that I'd signed for Leeds and gone with David Weatherall. So I was sworn to secrecy. Obviously, told me mum, obviously my dad was there, but I told me mum and dad and stuff. And then I got home and the following day, I got a phone call from a guy called Alan Evans, who was the number two at Leicester. And he said, uh, oh, we understand you've turned your contract down at Wednesday and we'd like you to come down to Leicester. Well, I'm like, I can't. And he said, what do you mean you can't? And I'm, but I'm, I can't tell him I've signed for Leeds because I've been sworn to secrecy. I'm like, well... Uh, <laughs> and he must have thought I was a right moron, like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, out of contract and giving an offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so, and, and that's and but that's how football was back then. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't wasn't yeah. like it is now with 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 agents and getting involved and etc. I mean, so. what one player that was that were that were at Leeds that I do want to touch on uh, obviously Eric Cantona were there weren't they when you was uh, yeah, you well, he, yeah we signed Eric, Eric came uh, sort of like the back end of yeah of that yeah, yeah my first season there yeah yeah yeah. what what was he like what was he like as a player as a you know a, a, off, off the pitch as well great player uh, one of the lads joined in with the lads uh, very deep character but but went into a dressing room I mean that dressing room that that I was in at Leeds that first year was probably the best dressing room that I ever experienced in, in my career. You know, the togetherness and the, you know, we just talked earlier about the tightness and people, people caring, people cared about what was happening on the pitch and what was happening at the club. And if you didn't do your job, we got, we got a redheaded uh, right winger called Gordon Strachan, who was, <laughs> yeah. To this, day, to this day, he's probably one of the best players I've ever played with. Because, really? Honestly, he dictated the game as a right winger. He was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, you think of it like as a centre mid, wouldn't you, really? And he would come in at half-time and we'd come in at full-time. And before Howard had even said anything, Strack would be having a go or... Gary McAllister would be having a go and there'd be a ding-dong and there were square-ups and, you know, but when then we'd all go into players' lounge, which you don't do now, and have a beer together and we all yeah. look at each other. And you know what? We still, we still, we're all in, still in contact. We still get together. We still see each other, you know, and, and that to yeah. me shows how tight that, that dressing room was, uh, which obviously, you know, we won the title that season and, the following year, we played in Europe and stuff like that. And just, I mean, for a kid from Sheffield, I'm like pinching myself, going, "What's happening here?" You know what I mean? Where, where, <laughs> you know, like 18 months ago, I'm playing on the park with my mates, and 
it's just the next minute I'm a, the new camp playing. You know what I mean? Which is mental. Yeah. That, that season as well, you I'm right saying you only just got a, a winner's medal as well. You yeah, only just well, played enough games, hadn't you? Yeah, so what you had to do, like really crazy rule, you had to play 25% of the games. And I think that season you played 42 games. But if you if you went on as a sub for one second, it counts as an appearance. So you needed 11, basically. Well, well you need 10, 10 and a half, but you can't have half. There's no such thing as half an appearance, and I'd got ten appearances, so they were like, "Yeah, you're you're having one like." So, <laughs> yeah, I got I got a medal. But but again, another daft thing, which you know I've said to people on like on podcasts or when I, I've done a bit of after dinner and that kind of stuff, and the medal itself, I think medals mean more to supporters than they do to the players. You know, you speak to players and they go, "Oh yeah, it's in a drawer somewhere," or because. My memories of that time are, are ingrained in my head of, of playing in the matches and the celebrations after. And, and, and the medal, although it means something, it doesn't replace all those memories that I've got. You know what I mean? Whereas I think to supporters, like the medals are actually like something really, port- really important to them. I mean, one, one thing before, before we move on off of uh, Leeds United... One goal which must surely stick in your stick in your mind was a goal that you scored against Sheffield United at, at Bremel Lane. Um, obviously, as a Wednesday fan, that must have felt good. I know you obviously were playing for Leeds at the time, but that must have been good to go to go to Bremel Lane and uh, and put oh, past them. I mean, that was that was 1992. So I mean, I've dined out on that for 29 years. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. That's that, yeah. You know, people talk about like the, one of the best days of your life. That was it. I mean, it was a crazy game as well. It was like the craziest game of football I've ever played in. There was like old goals and deflections, and we won it. Brian Gale like kneed it up and headed it over the keeper. And my, so mine was like the only, probably the like only orthodox goal that there was. Um, Sheffield Wednesday fan, always a Wednesday fan. Loads of my mates were Sheffield United fans. Loads of my mates played for Sheffield United, Dane Whitehouse and kid, the goalkeeper, Matt Dickens, Mitchell Ward, I went to school with me. So I knew all the United lads anyway. And then to score on that day, like at the cop end, was just, yeah, yeah, it was just just mental, really. And I'd, and I'd scored, I'd actually scored a few games before. In fact, that's it, that one there, that's the Tottenham. I came on as sub at Tottenham and scored. And I remember watching it on telly afterwards and I, I didn't know what to do after I'd scored. Like, my face is, like, re- like really stern. And, and I thought to myself, next time I score, I'm going to smile. <laughs> <laughs> if, you look, if you watch that goal, I score. And I'm like, I've got this big cheesy grin and I'm, like, laughing and smiling. <laughs> yeah, you're not really perfected your goal celebration there, had you? Well, there were no such things then, was there? You know what I mean? You just... You no backflips no back or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have killed myself. Uh, right? then, it just got me onto a, it got me onto what one of fans because we always ask fans what they want to ask you and things like that. And one of them is called Carl Newbold, and it's a question about somebody I don't know much about, but I'm sure you do. So he said, "Did Darko and mistake me if I if I said a pronunciation wrong? But Darko Kavakovic, is that his name? Yeah, 
Yep. So when he went at Wednesday, did he show potential in training? Because his exact words was, did he show potential in training because he must have had talent but didn't show it on the pitch? Or was it the same in training? How did the players see him? Like, did they think he could have been bigger or whatever? Or, or do you think it was down to a language barrier or something like that? I think, that, I think well, the reason I think he's asking that question is because he went he went from Wednesday to Real Sociedad and then I think he went from there to Juventus. So it, it was like... I think I think at the time they signed Kavakovic and and the centre back Stavanovic, and and Stavanovic actually did better for Sheffield Wednesday than Kavakovic seemed to do. Um, did he have talent? Yeah, yeah, he did have talent. He was a decent player. He wasn't. You did, you know you go into training and go, wow, this kid's amazing. Yeah. Like like Kid Di Canio or Carboni. You know what I mean? They did things that you went. Yeah. You want? Can you do that again? I've missed that. Can I watch it again? I've never seen anybody do that before. You know what I mean? They were they were like a little bit special. So it wasn't it wasn't like that in, in that instance. But obviously, he's a professional footballer. He's, he's come to a Premier League club. He's, he's signing for good money. So he's he's got he's got some talent. I think one of the biggest things about playing professional football or, or any any sport at elite and an elite level is is confidence in your mentality. You know, and like the best football I ever played as a professional was probably at Norwich City when I was brought down there and they gave me the captain's armband and I felt really wanted and, and like, yeah. Gary, you know, I got injuries and it was like, you've got to play. You've got to play on Saturday. I mean, I, br I broke two bones in my, in my back, two bones in my spine yeah. and I had to play the following Saturday because we, we played QPR and they got a big six foot four centre forward and they said, you're the only one who can can like wrestle with him all, all, all afternoon. So, but because you felt wanted and needed and you, you're like, you know, I'll, I'll run through a brick wall for you sort of thing. Whereas when you're in and out of the team and you're not sure if you're in the manager's plans and, you know, you're mentally, it's, it's, a, it's a mental health thing, which is, a, which is like obviously a yeah. big topic now, but, but yeah, you do you do get down and 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 don't get me wrong. Listen, not for one minute I'm saying you're all done to you. You're a professional footballer and you've got a fantastic lifestyle. It's brilliant, but you do have bad days and it is it is a you know you know what it is a job. And it's hard to hide from it. It's hard to hide from it, isn't it? When you know the 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 analogy is you know if you like your favourite food. Whatever your favourite food is, if you if you ate it every day, you'd soon get fed up with it. And, and football's like that. You play it every day and you love it, but you know, come mid February or something like that, it's you know what I mean. It's, it's hard work. And... I think it's going to be hard more than anything because it's hard to get away from it. And not only that, like when you make mistakes as a footballer, all you do is get slated, obviously, right? But you don't want to make the mistakes. Do you know what I mean? You, so like at work, if you make a mistake, like me personally, if I if I I didn't enjoy it. Like I'd eat it because they didn't enjoy the boat party, but it won't get all over internet. As a footballer, you must think, right, we didn't want to make this mistake. And now after after doing that mistake and having to deal with doing it yourself, now you've got to deal with all this, oh he's trappies, this do you know what I mean? It just gets it just gets blown out of proportion, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you and you've got to you've got to have a thick skin and people go, Yeah, well, I mean, nowadays it's well, they get paid enough money. I hang on a minute, it don't matter what you get paid, you know, if somebody yeah. Somebody's raining insults down on you. It hurts. Don't matter. How, don't matter how thick-skinned you are, how mentally strong you are. If somebody keeps telling you. There's thousands of people keeps keep telling you that you're shit at your job. 
guess what? Your your mental health drops. Your 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 confidence drops. Your belief. Your and and the thing is, it's we're talking like like tiny tiny percentages. You know the, the you know nanoseconds. You know the difference between when you're on the top of your game. The difference between picking a flight up on a ball and going and editing it. Right, I'm going to edit that. Bang, I've edited it. Whereas if you're, you've got a bit of doubt in your mind, that ball, oh, shall I go and edit? Shall I shorter? And it might only be a nanosecond, but it makes the decision the wrong decision then. Because even if you then go to edit, you mistime it or... And it's just things like... And then, and then doubt creeps in. And then you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't win the last edit. I need to win the next one. And, you know, and it becomes a bit of a snowball. And, and that's why, you know, the mental strength of it. That's why, you know, I see on Twitter people calling out players and... You just you can't be doing. They it. don't realise, do they? What what effect that's that's having on the uh, on the players? Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, you've just touched on the fact that you're at you're at Norwich, but you know, and then after your time at Norwich, you, you came back to Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday. You yeah. know, David Pleat that uh, that signed you at the time in in '96. I mean, how did that move all uh, all come about? So so uh, sort of like rewind. So I went down to Norwich. Um, I didn't know at the time I was there, like record signing, million pound player, and all this, which was like, like you know, never saw that coming, sort of thing. Um, we got relegated the first season, which again was a travesty, um, uh, which was mental, really. I, I, like, I'll tell you something the other day. I think on Boxing Day, we were seventh in the league, right, with 30 points, and we got relegated. <laughs> We, I think we went down on 43 points. So it was like, and there was four down that year. It just, just wanted Emmett. Yeah, and, I, and I, I could have left at the end of that season. Aston Villa came in for me. Uh, Norwich, the chairman of Norwich said, no, I want you to stay. We're going to have a go next season. We want to go up to the Premier League again. So I was like, look, I'm as responsible as anybody else. I'm happy to stay. I love it down here. You know, I want to be part of the, the team to get us back up. That never transpired really because he started um, started like selling players and and he never invested in the team and and then there were there was a bit of talk um, Spurs were interested in me uh, and then he started coming up to sort of like the end of the deadline and it came quite obvious that the, that Norwich City were were skin they needed to sell some players to get some money and so there was two there was me and Ashley Ward uh, who, who effectively were put up for sale so. I got a phone call one morning. Um, it was about eight o'clock in the morning. My phone rang, picked the phone up, uh, answered the phone, and, and he said, Hi, oh, John, it's David Pleat here. It's like, what? Yeah. So, yeah, um, Sheffield Wednesday manager, uh, we've, had a, we've had a bid accepted by Norwich City. Uh, we'd like you to come up and have talks. Can you come up tomorrow? So I said, and then you're like, straight away. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, of course I can. So at that time, I'd got an agent. I'd got a, the PFA as my agent. So I rang my agent and said, right, I need to meet you. Like, Sheffield Wednesday have come in. They've accepted a bid for me. <clears throat> so so he said, oh, I've got a meeting in Nottingham. So I said, right, I'll drive to Nottingham and I'll meet you in Nottingham. So I'll get in the car from Nor- Norwich to Nottingham is a bit of a schlep anyway. It's like a couple of hours. Hey, it's the worst, worst journey ever, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's even more so now because the speed cameras everywhere. And <laughs> I'm just getting to Nottingham, and my phone rings. And by that time, well, then John, what 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 car are you driving at the time? What what car are you driving? 
I've got a. I think I've good got question. A, good question. I think I've got a BMW 5 Series. All right, okay. Mr. Sensible, it? Yeah, because I weren't. You know, I weren't, we weren't earning loads of money at the time. It was, it was, it was, it was record, record signing for Norwich. Yeah, but it, it was decent pay, but it wasn't. You know, it was nothing like that. The guys are on today. We're talking like nineteen ninety-five. This, so, so I'm just about by that time. The manager who signed me was John Deaton, and his number two was Gary Megson. So when they got the sack, uh, he then Gary Megson then got the job until the end of the season, and then. For the for the second season in the championship, Martin O'Neill came in. So Martin O'Neill was telling me that Spurs were interested, blah, blah, blah. He then left and went to Leicester. And then they brought Gary Megson back as manager again. So and I and I've obviously got on with Meggie. I've known him for a long time. You know, I thought he was great. So I'm driving, just got to Nottingham and the phone rings, it's Meggie. And he says, Where are you? So I'm thinking, uh, and it's like, we've got a day off. It says day off. So I went, oh, I'm just going to meet like one of my mates in Nottingham. So he said, uh, well, you better turn around because you've heard the news, haven't you, that we've we've like received an offer from Wednesday and they've accepted it. I said, oh, yeah, 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 I've been told that. So he said, right, well, the chairman, Robert Chase, wants to see you and he won't let you go and speak to Sheffield Wednesday until he's seen you in person. I'm like, oh, joking. So I had to turn the car around, drive all the way back to Norwich, <laughs> get to the ground, Carrow Road, go in, the chairman, big, big fat guy. So I go. <laughs> and, and part of the deal, what he'd done is, at, at like the back end of the sea, I got, a, I got like what they call a loyalty bonus at the end of, my, end of my contract. So if I stayed till the very end of my contract, you got this, this bonus. Uh, and, and what he'd done is, when he'd asked me to stay and not, not go to Aston Villa, he'd said... I'll I'll sort of like make you make your loyalty bonus that if we sell you, we'll pay you your loyalty bonus. So I was like, all right, okay, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I'll I'll agree to that. So so basically he was trying to do me out of paying me this bonus. So I had to go and see him. Well, I couldn't take my agent because my agent was in Nottingham having a meeting with somebody. So I had to go in on my own. So I'm like on the phone to my agent saying, right, what do I do? Blah, blah, blah. Um and he said, uh, so I must have been in there an hour and a half. So I'm, I'm like, can you get, get me a copy of my contract? And, you know, you need to get the amendment. And anyway, it transpired eventually after about an hour and a half, I found this clause that he'd written into my contract and said, right, there you go. You, you owe me this money. And he was like, you could see his face drop. <laughs> Wasn't happy. He stormed out of the boardroom. And then his secretary walked in and said, right, you need to sign this uh, and and go to Sheffield. And that was it. Just that really didn't even shake my hand and say, like, good luck or, or whatever. <clears throat> so I drove up to Sheffield that day or that night, stayed at my mates. And then I was in on the Thursday morning to see David Plea and, and the club about, um, <clears throat> about signing. So at that time, we got wind that, um, Tottenham had put a bid in for me as well. <clears throat> but Norwich being Norwich, had, or Robert Chase being Robert Chase, had said to Tottenham, we want two million for him. And they agreed 1.6 with Sheffield Wednesday. So Spurs knew about this and said, well, we're not paying more than you've agreed with somebody else. So, Spurs, so um, Robert Chase was like, well, bad luck, you're not speaking to him unless you pay two million quid. 
<laughs> so so we, yeah, exactly. So we went in. We had two going back then. So if you had the choice then, Tottenham or Wednesday, would 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 you have gone? Would you have gone to Tottenham or would you have always chosen Sheffield Wednesday? Wednesday was a big pull. Wednesday was a big big pull because my my boy. They were doing well at the time, weren't they? As well, yeah, they were doing they were doing great. They were they got a good side, you know. Um, but I would I would have gone and talked to Spurs. Quite obviously, I'd have gone and seen what they got to say. You know what I mean? But <clears throat> Sheffield Wednesday would have been a big pull, but it didn't transpire like that. So, so we had talks. Where were Spurs at the time, John? Whereabouts were they like in in, in relation to Wednesday? Yes, yeah, similarly, they were for me. They were like a similar kind of club. You know what I mean? They were like yeah. top off Premier League. You know, not in any trouble. Um, a club on the ascendancy, really. A club. A club like moving forwards, and um, so we had talks anyway. Talks broke down, we couldn't agree on stuff. Uh, and David Pleat was like, Come back tomorrow morning, come back tomorrow morning. We'll out, you know, let me speak to the club and let's sort things out. And so, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, following morning, Friday morning, I went back to have talks, um, and we agreed. Sort of like agreed on a contract, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm well happy with that." Signed, happy, um, and then we walked out of the offices, which are like at the time were underneath the south stand, uh, and my oh, yeah. my agent's phone beeped, and he he like listened to the phone and started laughing, and I was like, "What?" And he put it on loudspeaker, and it was Jerry Francis, the Spurs manager, who said. Uh, Norwich have agreed 1.6 million with us. Get yourself down to Spurs. We'll have a let's have a chat <laughs> and you just signed on the dotted line which I was pleased by the way I was pleased to sign you know what I mean I was happy to sign I think I think in hindsight in all honesty maybe weren't the best best, best move for me because I came in under pleating um, we were sort of like bottom half of the league but I thought we got some I thought we got a good squad at the time I thought I was joining a good, a good club you know um and then, I don't know, it just seemed to like, he wanted to offload everybody, like, you know, David Hurst when Chris Waddle retired, he got rid of Mark Bright, John Sheridan, uh, all, all obviously experienced players, but all players that I'm thinking, you know, could still do a job. Um, so, yeah, so that, that for me was a, a little bit disappointing, really. One player that, that was there, obviously you've already touched on on, on you know on him, um, Di Canio and, and Carbone. I mean, obviously pa- Paolo Di Canio. We, we all we all know what happened on that uh, on that day uh, when he uh, when he pushed the you know the referee over. Is that something that as as a player you kind of you know in, in training and stuff you kind of it would something that you. I don't, I don't want to say you thought it would happen because that's something that you never think would happen. But we're that type of person that he was volatile, wasn't he? You know, he was volatile. I mean, when when we signed Benito first, Benito came in and Benito was couldn't speak a word of English. It was like a, like a real naive uh, young lad from a from a little southern village in Italy. It, it, it was lost. It was absolutely lost. So a friend of mine who worked for for a bank. He sort of like took him under his wing a little bit. He spoke a little bit of pidgin Italian and and me and him sort of like started trying to look after him <laughs> and trying to find him a house to rent. And, was it something and, you and laughed was, at in training? Did you have a little laugh with all your mates? Like, what an idiot, like. 
Just no, no, that's yeah. Kenny did that. Were they all like, having a little giggle about it? Oh, no, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but <laughs> what I was saying, like, Benny, Benny was like, was really naive, you know what I mean? And, and I mean, don't give me wrong, great guy, lovely lad, good footballer. Uh, but then all of a sudden, we signed Di Canio. Di Canio comes in, Di Canio's a completely different kettle of fish, right? So, really intelligent guy. Um, once said to us, every move I've made in, in football, I've instigated myself. <laughs> they were his words. So we were like, so, because he left left Celtic under a bit of a cloud, didn't he? When he came to John, us. John, he did made... he enjoy it? Sorry for interrupting again, mate, but all these Wednesday fans on internet on about Di Canio, did he actually enjoy it? Like, because they said, oh, he hated it on Wednesday anyway, because everyone knows everything about it. Did he enjoy it, Danny? Did he like being here or not? Like, honestly. He loved it. He loved it here. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah, he loved it here. Yeah. He enjoyed it here. Yeah. He enjoyed the lads. He was a good lad. We got on well with him. By the way, tell you what, ultimate professional, proper, proper athlete. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, I remember remember when he first came and he played and he stripped off and he was like, like pretty ripped, you know what I mean? And we were like, we were yeah. like chatting away to him and he said, oh yeah, you know, I've like, I've got a couple, I need, I need to lose a few pounds. We were like, and then he'd go out and do running and and like he'd do his gym work and oh yeah he was yeah he was he was a proper proper professional footballer so uh, and yeah and yeah and, and, and like I mean I was I think I I was when I done my I think when I done my ankle um, and I was I remember sitting I was sat behind the subs when he pushed him over pushed the ref over and we were all like. Oh my God, like, but but at the time we went, like the referee went down in instalments, didn't he? You know what I mean? He yeah. Went, <laughs> like, yeah. Like we we were saying he should have he should have booked himself the simulation, the referee at the time. You know what I mean? It <laughs> <laughs> was just, just ridiculous, really. And then and then Nigel Winterburn when he turned and he were gonna he were gonna chin Nigel Winterburn and he and he and he pegged it and. Yeah, John. So, so obviously, when did Canio's push referee over? What, what I mean, what happened then? Did 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 you not see him? Did he just do well, one? He gone. He gone. So we went in. We went in after the game, and he basically like got showered, and legged it, and gone. Got out of the way. Which, to be fair, was was quite quite a clever thing to do because yeah, yeah. get out of the way. Everything. Yeah, would have would have mullered him, but I think. Oh, well, listen, it's 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 written in bylaw of Sheffield Wednesday's history now, isn't it? What happened? Because he then he then went and then Dave Richards, who was chairman, obviously, you know, there's talk that he got his eye on something else. Uh and I think the club just wanted to be seen to do the right do the right thing in the eyes of the FA and the you know that interview, weren't they, John? What showed you in Italy where First time he spoke out when he was on his scooter driving, yeah, yeah. and then he was saying that he's just basically got away from it all, didn't he? But even as a manager, you could see as a manager after his career, he, he was a bit like a bit psycho, and he was ready to blow it. Like if anybody gave him <laughs> shit, crowd, it just can you imagine him. Can you imagine him being the Newcastle manager now and having fifty thousand people screaming at him? Yeah, He'd probably yeah. go out and pitch and just take his top off and go. We had running. We had running. <laughs> I remember we were playing Spurs away. We were, we were playing Spurs away, and and every time he every time he stuck the ball at him, if he didn't go bang to his 
feet, but like went like one yard or the other, he threw his hands in the air like this, to like making people look like bad players. So, <laughs> I, so I'd lost my box. I, I'd gone coming at half time. <clears throat> I just said to him, you throw your hands up in the air one more time. You know what I mean? I'll rip you for that. I'll rip you for that. <laughs> so he jumped up and then we were like fist like having a bit of handbags at 10 paces all that and then and then he kicked I remember he kicked the physio's table over and so we'd had a, we'd had a bit of a row and I'd grabbed hold of him and stuff and he went out in the second half he was unplayable unplayable <laughs> he was unbeaten did he score? Oh, I, I can't remember. I think he set one up and maybe scored one, and we got beat three. So we came in afterwards, and we just like, why does it take like a brawl at half time for you to for you to work hard and chase and harass and, and do all them great things on top of what you're good at? You know what I mean? Rather but than John, that just reminds me of something there. What you said because when you said about that half time we brawl, uh, it's a good listen, Kevin Pressman. We did Kevin Pressman the other week, and he's not done all like this. And you were fantastic. And then at the end of it, I don't know whether you know about this or whatever, what you know, would have got to send out or what, but at the end of the interview, when we were just putting, literally pressing stop, he went, I've got something to tell you, actually. And I went, go on. And he told us about Danny Wilson when he called him into office and said to Kevin Pressman, right, come on, me and you now, let's fight. So Kevin Pressman said, what the hell sort of thing? And he says, if you tell anyone, I'll find you two weeks wages or whatever. Could you know about that? Or do I did know. I, I have heard this story before, but... I didn't know about it at the time because obviously he'll have kept it quiet. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but yeah, I mean that that, that doesn't surprise me. That Ron Atkinson took his coat off to me at, at Derby at half time and squared like, "Come on, we'll have it." And I was I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, "You're like 65 or something, man." Like, you know, you can't call pensioners, can you? I've got a question here. A question here for John from Richard Wells. He says, Do you feel like you met your full potential at Wednesday? And if not, like what held you back? Or do you feel like you met your potential at Leeds? And if you did, what were the difference? Like, you know, um, I think when I came back to Sheffield Wednesday, I didn't I didn't I didn't fulfill what what my not not maybe not my potential, but I just got that. I got a really bad ankle injury, um, which Basically, the start the start of the end of my career, really, because I got I got fit. I, I managed to recover from that, but I got a, I, I, I was carrying a bad knee. Um, You're carrying a bad knee. Yeah, and at the time, Danny Wilson was manager. His pal was a physio. It, it, a bit like Kevin Pressman, it was like loggerheads with a manager, and you know, the club just wasn't a good club to be at. You know what I mean? The dressing room wasn't. The, the, the whole thing around it and and that was it you know uh, like I said I did my knee and 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 that that was the end of it so so yeah I, you know and I think between between doing my ankle recovering from my ankle <coughs> and and injuring my knee I was fit for about I was fit for about a season and a half and I think I played six games of football. Right. You know, and I was I was constantly knocking on on the manager's door, Danny Wilson's door, saying, you know, you're not listen, you're not playing me because you because you prefer to play somebody else. I don't have an issue with that. That's a personal preference. That's your choice. But I'm 28 year old. Let me go. Let me go on loan or let me go and play. 
no, no, you're not going anywhere. You're staying here because you're part of my plans and I want, you know what I mean? It was just like bullshit, really. Uh, yeah. and, and, and I look back on that part of it, which I think, <coughs> I don't think that did me any favours, you know, um, when really all I wanted to do was play again. Yeah. Now, obviously, one thing I'm going to uh, touch on, when, when you did get, get in the side and when you were playing, um, you scored a goal against against Leeds. Uh, I mean, did you uh, did you like playing against your former clubs? Obviously, I know that obviously in in, Le- in Leeds and, and Norwich, uh, is it something you you look forward to doing? Well, I'd say to some degree, yeah. I think you want to you want to at times you want to go there and, and show show them that they've made a mistake and see what you've see what you've lost, sort of thing. You know what I mean? See what you could have had. So yeah, you you, you want to go and make a bit of a point. You want to put a marker down. Um, but for me, that. That, that goal, um, I'd been in bed. I'd been in bed. I got some, like, virus. Some, I was, like, spewing up and it was coming out all ends. You know what I mean? And we played, <laughs> yeah. I never played, was it Watford? I think we played Watford on the Wednesday night in the Cup. And I'd literally, like, got out of bed at 11 o'clock in the morning after, after being, like, vomiting for about 48 hours. Um and Big Ron said, "Oh, you, you've got to play tonight. You've got to play." So I played. I think, and I think it went to extra time. I was like, "I can't believe it." You know what I mean? I'm knackered, absolutely dead on my feet, and then you've got extra time to play. And then we played Leeds on the Saturday, and I played. And obviously, you, you, you know, you, you're worn out, you're tired, but I got through the game, scored a goal, and I think it was one of the only times that I actually got a bit of praise off Big Ron. And we came and after the game and said, "Oh, well done. You've surprised me this week." Something like that. You know what I mean? Um, so, but but yeah, you, you, listen. You 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 know you want to you always want to score. You want to score as many goals as you can. But to score against, like you said before, scoring against Sheffield United <laughs> at Bramall Lane to upset them is 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 a bit of a you know. I, I enjoyed that one. Scoring against Leeds, I obviously enjoyed that one. Uh, I think my biggest goal for Wednesday was probably. Um, the back end of the season when I signed away at West Ham on the final game of the season when we didn't know whether we were going to stay up or not. It looked unlikely that we were going to get relegated, but we went 1-0 down at Upton Park um, <laughs> and I was just like, well, we were like five minutes to go. They went, get yourself... Another know, question, another question, Don. Yeah, get yourself up front, get yourself up front. Guy Whittingham... Curl one in with the outside of his right foot, and I managed to glance it into the far corner, and that was it. Wednesday fans went, but I remember running to the to the behind the goal where the fans were behind the fence, and my, one of my best mates was right behind the fence, like going <laughs> and screaming. Quality, <laughs> like met him for a beer that night. I think so. Now, obviously, you know, we talked about some of your, you know, your best memories, but I'm, I'm going to mention it because it always pops up on when it, when you see Premier League years or whatever it is, or these statistics, and one of the biggest defeats in Premier League history, obviously that 8-0 drubbing uh, at the hands of Newcastle. Newcastle. Now, obviously, at, at, the, at the time, obviously, unbeknown to you, that would you say that was like, was that was that your last last game for, my, for Sheffield Wednesday? That was my last game of football, and they always say you're as good as your last game, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't buy into that saying, me. I don't buy into that. Again, like 
I'd actually handed a transfer request in that week, um, which never came out, never came out in a club because I was at loggheads with Danny Wilson. Again, I'd been out on loan to Bolton, done really well there. They wanted to sign Does anybody me. like Danny Wilson? Anybody like him? You know Did what, when like he came Danny in, well, I, towards the end, I don't think they did. But you know, when he when he came in, I thought he was different class. I thought he was great. Um, but again, you know, if you're not playing, if I'm not playing, I'd, I'd like to know why I'm not playing. And if I'm not gonna play, then, then then let me go. You know what I mean? Don't don't go and ask him that. Don't go and ask him that. Or he'll start on you like he did with Kevin. Well, no. What he did, what, what he used to do, he used to tell you what he what he thought you wanted to hear, which was bullshit. So he'd like, oh, you know, you're gonna, you, you're in my plans, and so I remember the, I remember the run up to the game. It was just after the, the weekend before, and I went and went to see him and said, right, you know, what what's happening? What's you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to play right back. You know, I'm not. I'm, he kept playing me at right back, and I'm like, look, I'm 28 year old. When you when you're 20, 21, you're just getting into the side, and you go, oh, you're playing right back. You play anywhere, yeah. but when you when you're a centre back and you know that's your best position, and people have paid good money for you, and and that's where you where you excel, that's where you want to play. Yeah. So so he's like, oh yeah yeah, you, you know, you're not going to play right back, you you, but you, I'm not letting you go because you're in my plans for the weekend. You you're in my plans. So I said to him, well. Don't play me right back. You know, if I'm in your plans at centre back, great, but don't play me right back. I'm, I'm not a right back. No, 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 you're in my plans. And and then all week we'd be doing like uh, shadow play 11v11s and I wasn't involved. Stephen Aslan was playing at right back. So I'm thinking, fine, you know. Um, so I went to see him again just to look. I think it's time for me to leave. You're not going to sell me. I want to go and carry on with my career. I want to go and play football again. I did a transfer request in. Uh, didn't go down very well, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that was the end of it. So we go up to Newcastle. I'm not playing. I'm, I'm thinking I'm not playing. You know what I mean? I, I might be sub, whatever. Camp's not a very good camp. It's not a good dressing room. There's all manner of stuff going off. Uh, and at two o'clock, he says, right, this is the team. Uh, in goal, was it Pre was Prezi in goal or Pavel Cernicek? I can't remember who was in goal. In goal, Pavel Cernicek, right back, John Newsom. I've gone. <laughs> so this is like an hour before football, and we're, all, we're nearly scrapping. You know what I mean? like... don't know. As a fan, you haven't got a clue. You're going to that away day. <laughs> You just play Newcastle away. You haven't got a clue, and then you you come on pitch to play right back, all smiling and whatever, and no one's got a clue what's just gone off. It's mental, isn't it? You know, and then and then and it was just it was just disastrous. The rest is history. Well, I, I got <laughs> yeah. a whack on my knee. I got a whack on my knee after about half an hour. My knee was literally hanging off. We came in at half time, and it was we were losing four nil. And I remember he'd been working on uh, Kieran Dyer. Who obviously good good player winger and he was on about don't basically don't tackle him in the box because he, he gets penalties so stand up make him try and cross it but don't dive in and tackle him so <clears throat> one of the goals he he gone off injured Kieran Dyer and like we took a corner I think and the keeper had caught it and then the referee like waved him on while we were all like attacking and then he, <laughs> Like launched it to Kieran Dyer, we're going, oh, 
fucking happening here, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, got back and I've, I've like squared him up and he's crossed it over my left shoulder, which which is the shoulder that you want him to cross it. I don't want him, to, I don't want him crossing it that way. And, and, and Alan Shearer stood at the back post on his own. He heads it in. So we come in and he goes, <coughs> he starts, starts digging me out at half time. Like, you should get closer. You need to tackle him. When you're saying that, you know, obviously now when we're, when we're watching football and stuff, players are playing certain, in a certain way. Obviously now at the moment we've had, well, however many managers we've had already this season and stuff. And we play different different styles of play. I think sometimes it, it, it comes down to whatever the managers told you to do, doesn't it? If if the managers told you to like in that, like you said there, if managers told you to stand up, you're going to stand up because that's what you've been told to do. So if I dive in and, and, and he goes over my leg and I get a penalty, I'm getting a right bollocking on it. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, you're not playing next week, are you? Worked on. Don't dive in because he's got quick feet, and if you catch him, the slightest touch he goes down, and he buys penalties. So, I, 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 consciously, I'm thinking I can't do that. So, yeah. I, I often do my job. He, he, never, he never says any, anybody to the centre-halves who said, by the way, he was picking Alan Shearer up at back stick. Yeah, he's yeah. got like five yards of space <laughs> and ends it in. On, that doesn't get mentioned, you know what I mean? So, like, as you, you as a player now, you've got a personality. Like, you, can, you can see that a mile off, like, just by talking to you. You've got passion and whatever, but... Can you imagine that? Just the current situation at Wednesday, like pe- people like Gary Monk, Tony Pulis, like I, I, I no disrespect to him, but I can't imagine for a second the player like you, like vocal and passionate and this and that. Whatever, can you imagine playing under these sort of managers like Josh Luca High and Gary Meg, uh, not Gary Mason, Gar- what well, I can't say his name. I've just flipping said it. Tony Pulis and Gary Monk, like these sort of managers. Like I said, no disrespect, but they're just boring and they haven't got much passion about them. Not much, do you know what I mean? They just—it's not a Wednesday manager, is it? We've had recently. Whereas now, I think with Darren Moore, he does seem like he's got a bit something about him. I like Darren Moore. Yeah, I think he's—I think—I think he's a really good appointment. But I also think that some managers, and I'm not backing them up, but some managers want to keep in the dressing room. What? What happens in the dressing room stays in the dressing room. So when you come out to the press, you try and put yeah, you put your press face on, aren't you? Because I think the other thing is as well, like like it, like today, like tonight. You know, you've asked me a few questions, but it's all a bit like relaxed and low key. And when you go out and yeah. face the press and you've lost five games on the spin, you've no idea what they're going to ask you, and and you're you're off, you're off, sort of like waiting for him to trick you up so when they ask you a question yeah. you can't then go uh, right let me have a think about that let me have a think of it you they want you to answer straight away and you're passionate and you you know and i think I, I just think a lot of a lot of players and a lot of managers you're trying to think on your feet but you're also the last thing you want to do is sort of like drop people in it as well, well. But John, someone like Carlos... You turn into a politician, Carlos, don't you? You put Carlos Carlos, Carlos, Carlos Carvajal, for example. This is what I mean, though. Like, when he, if you had a bad game or what, like, he'd come out and he were passionate. That's all Wednesday fans want. That's why we love Megson or whatever. You know Carlos. Yeah, we had best days with him, whatever, but you know, you can't tell me now if you wanted to... when If you could play now under one of previous managers in the last five years, any one of them, you can't say, yeah, I'd love to play under Pulis or I'd love to play under Monk or I'd love to play under no, Josh no, Luka High. It's got to be someone with a personality like Luka High. <laughs> like... Think it, but Carlos, do you know what I mean? Like, Carlos. See, I don't think Carlos is a good manager. You, you don't? Know? No. 
Oh, I really? think he was emotive. I think I think you're right. What you say, I think he was emotive. He got he was emotional and and all that kind of thing. But I think tactically, for me, I thought he was really poor. And and if you listen really? to any, of his, yeah, yeah, if you listen to any of his post match interviews, he would never ever tell you why the team had lost playing football. He'd just go on about my players are tired, or the or he'd talk about emotive situations. He wouldn't talk. He wouldn't say, you know what. Set pieces we've been poor on. We haven't won enough second balls in the middle of the park. They've overrun us. There was nothing tactical. That- I think that's I think that's mad hearing that. Obviously, it's your opinion. Everyone's entitled to an opinion, but like he's he's the best. He's got the best team that we'd had. He signed the best players. He, he got the sixth in league, then fourth in league, or whatever. So he didn't lose much. So tactically, did he not get it right tactically ninety percent of the time, sort of thing? Or I think I think what you've got to realise is that you've got a football. If you walk into a football club that's finishing 14, 15 in the championship and you chuck 100 million quid at something in, in wages and transfer fees and you buy, don't, and, he, and, and they bought and they, they got themselves in far, far better players than what Sheffield Wednesday had seen. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You, look at that first season. I think after... I think it was something like 13 games. We were bottom of the league. You know? And don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, we were. We, yeah. we did great. Yeah, we were, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, and, we, we, and, and we scraped into the playoffs because Cardiff basically free, like did free fall, didn't they? They lost like eight games out of 10 or something. And we got in on the sixth spot. And and even then, like, I mean, I used to... We, I used to you know when it were, when we were doing well and that kind of stuff with my mates and 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 like we'd leave the game and I'd go it's like there was like we we won two one and there were two goals of the goals of the month contenders because we'd score yeah, goals yeah. from like forty yards and thirty yards and it were it, and I and I was saying to lads I was like it can't that can't continue you know what I mean it just can't carry on like they can't keep scoring but we had good players. Well, the way I saw that was, for me, that we're a team that people have come to Hillsborough and expecting to beat us and pick up three points. Or they were playing, or, you know, whenever we were playing us, it was a game they could win. So that first season, when we were a bit like the unknown, and then we, you know, we, 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 we picked... I feel opposite way because people, no matter what they expect or whatever, the, the morale were good. Like, it's all right. I know what you're saying about manager and that. It's all right. Like, in the back, in the background, like, when you've got some or people out there, but when you've got... Like personalities like Ross Wallace and you had Forestieri and then Puddle had come, you had Bannon and they're all the team sort of thing. I think you saw that a tiny bit of lack of respect they had when Ross Wallace spoke in that interview after. I think he might have been under cosh or something when he was saying, when he ripped that £20 note up and Wallace was saying, yeah, we're all in changing room, like in a WhatsApp group saying, what are we doing all this? And I get all that as well. But at the same time, they had, they, that's the confidence we had at that time. We were, we were having them shots and scoring them goals. And I thought all that come from manager personally. But anyway, those. I, I think it was, I think it was the fact that we we suddenly started buying and attracting a better quality of footballer, and yeah. things clicked. Yeah, clicked that year, yeah. and, and yeah. things clicked. The you know, I, I thought they progressed the following year, um, but I thought we, I thought we, I thought we stumbled into it really a little bit. And um, yeah, in all honesty, we, I thought that was our chance. That was the football club's chance. To get it over the line, and and we're paying for it now. Came up short. Came up short. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that field game was 
it was there for the taking, wasn't it? And of course it were, yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna mention one more one more thing. Sorry, John. I'm just gonna mention one more thing before Jamie tests your knowledge of your time every time in your career. So uh, like when we you in your last season with Sheffield Wednesday, obviously we got we got relegated. Um and a lot of fans put put the blame on on Danny Wilson. Now, would you? I know you said that at the time when he came in, you, you know, you liked him and stuff. But would you say that looking back, he was perhaps a bit out of his depth? You know, obviously, it was only his second managerial job, and he'd only, you know, no disrespect to Barnsley, but he'd only managed Barnsley previous to that, hadn't he? Yeah, I think um, me. Per- I think personally, what the club did is the club the club backed him financially a little bit, and and he went out and bought. Sibons and Vignonk and Gerald the Builder and you know the, the, the Scottish lads and and any any <clears throat> you know we, we know that Phil O'Donnell and, and Simon Donnelly you know struggled with injuries so they weren't part of it really but <clears throat> when it wasn't working and it was quite obvious that it wasn't working I think he's the the negative I would say about it was that he, he, he stuck with it and that can be deemed a negative but it can also be deemed that you know what he, he bought into these players and he thought that that was going to work for them um, transpires that it didn't work uh, you know and yeah well, I mean like I say I, I think my last game of the season was the Newcastle game which I think was like the 19th of September um, and for the rest of that season I was trying to get fit I was having operations on my knee and you know and then there was all manner of stuff went off uh, in you know at the end of that season with my contract and stuff, but um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't a good it wasn't a good dressing room. It wasn't a good football club to be in and around at the time, really. Um, yeah, but you know the atmosphere yeah. was poor. And, but that happens when you lose matches, doesn't it? You know, as well. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, if you're losing games and it, it's it's you know fo- football's a, a bit of a Bit of an isolated place to be, really. Of course. Now, Jamie, do you want to uh, do you want to test John's knowledge? Then we. I, mean, I, I think uh, you need to get full marks on this, John, because I think some of them you've already touched on. Yeah, already, no. So uh, I've been trying to <laughs> mark them off as we've got a long while. I've been trying to sort them. Just go through, go through them anyway, because there is some other there is some other uh, bits that you can ask as well. Uh, which to, first go on. one. Go on, Jamie. So, how many appearances did you make for Wednesday? He's thinking. I don't know. Oh, you know. I don't know. You've got to guess. Not something I've ever looked at, really. Um, 85. No, it's not that bad. It's not that bad effort, is it? 70. I was probably, not bad. I was probably some of that 55 times. <laughs> not that, not that many from what I can see, but anyway. Next one, but you've already answered us, I think. So I put you scored four goals for Wednesday. We spoke about one of them anyway. Who were your first goal against? And you've already answered this one. My first goal for, for Sheffield Wednesday. For Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Uh West Ham. Yeah. And and I'll put for a bonus point, what minute were it? 93rd. No, 89th. Unless Wikipedia's wrong, is it? You know. There's 18, yeah, from, from my sources, 89th minute, he said. Right. Question three. I know, I, know, I know it was like, it was late on. It was late on, definitely. And, and it, it turned was. out, yeah. it was late on in the game. 
it was obviously like last minutes of the game. Um, yeah. And uh, but it turned out if even if we got beat, I think we'd have stayed up anyway. So but, yeah, it stopped the celebrations on the coach going on. <laughs> you were sent off once in your playing career. It was for Norwich. Who were that against? Everton. Yeah, bang on. Got that in. Go on. Well, let's go. FA Cup at Goodison. Was it either four or five nil? Yeah, five nil it went. Girls, would it five nil? Is that what you've got on? Kick Mark Overmars up in there in the box. Your professional debut were against Arsenal as a sub, but who were your first full debut against? Uh... We might have got him here, Jamie. We, might... yeah, cup, we have. We've got him. Uh, are, we, are we on the league game or cup games? <laughs> All right. Well, I think, uh, I think this is a league game. <laughs> I, think, I think I made my full debut against... Was it Aldershot in the cup? And then I made my league. Well, we have to check that now, aren't we? Then I played. Then I think I made my league debut, full league debut, at Millwall. Yep. In the Lions' Den. You got it, Millwall. And we drew two two. Yeah, you got it, Millwall, mate. So you got it, bang on, well done, well done. <laughs> <laughs> and then last one, Go on, then. we got relegated, nine 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 two thousand season, right? 19th. Who were other two teams to go down with us? Good one. Good one, that one. Oh, that's an eight question, that one, isn't it? It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> Radford. No. Nope. It's still. Yeah, just, I think. Uh, I don't know. So uh, Watford, Watford and Wimbledon. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Brad, Bradford finished seventeenth that uh, that season. And Watford went down with twenty four points. Terrible, a terrible season. But uh, but yeah, not too bad. Not not too bad. I thought we did, we did you on some of the questions. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look at that. I'm sure it was Aldershot. I'm sure we played Aldershot away in the cup, and then we played and we drew nil nil. And then I think we played it. We had to play them like a two leg thing. I think it was like the Simod Cup or something. Thing is, Johnny, if that if you're that far away, it's a bit sketchy on the internet, isn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, obviously. Thank you very much, John, for for agreeing to uh, to come on uh, and speak to us. It's been a it's been a pleasure. Um, I said, well, pleasure, to be fair, right? Enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Mate. It's been good. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Now, if if you haven't if you have enjoyed it, if you're listening along, then please don't forget to give us a uh, a rating or a review. We do really appreciate it. And uh, and yeah, if you want to speak to any other former players or manager or anything like that, then please you know tweet us and we'll uh, we'll do our very best. So uh, thank you very much uh, and uh, all the best, John. Thank you. Yeah, John. Thanks a lot, mate. I've really really enjoyed it. It's been it's been class. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've right enjoyed it. It's good to reminisce. Um, and let's cross his fingers and let's hope we get out of the mire in the state championship this season.